Hello, welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It's Thursday, the 13th of June. The Premier League fixtures for next season have just come out, which is very exciting. Um, but before we get into next season, we do, of course, have to finish wrapping up the previous season as well. So this is part two of uh, of the Mammoth breakdown, the retrospective of 2018-19 with, of course, Jay Blades Analytics joining me to discuss it once again. Um, we did want to have some live reaction to the fixtures coming out, but unfortunately ran out of time because we were recording this uh, to overlap while the fixtures were coming out. But yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully, have some discussion about, about those. Uh, obviously, Bournemouth away first up, as, as the internet correctly uh, predicted slash leaked, which is, is interesting in and of itself. Um, so yeah, very much looking forward to that one. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed looking back at the previous season. Um, obviously, this is the second half of the season, so from January the 1st onwards, so it encompasses the January transfer window and a lot of wins. We didn't lose many games in this half of the season as we will uh, we will come to go over, I suppose. So yeah, thanks as always for downloading and listening and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hello Jay, welcome to the pod. How are you doing today, mate? I'm very well. Um, I must apologise to you and all of the Blades. Right now is a very busy time, so getting down, sit, sit down for time to do this has actually been harder than it was in season. I think. I think that's fair. <laughs> you are the busiest man in football right now. I think, apart, <laughs> apart from whoever's about to email out all the fixture lists to everybody, which yeah should be an exciting time. Imagine that, mate. You get it. Not only do the fixtures come out today, part two of our season retrospective is coming out today as well. That's, that's a good day. To, good day to be a blade, if I say so myself. Right, let's let's pick this up because uh, I know time is of the essence. So, last time we spoke, uh, we did the first half of the season. We ended on December 29th, the final game uh, of 2018, and we're now going to pick it up, obviously, in January. So, yeah, just quick summary of the state of play as we head into that first game of 2019. United sat in fourth place in the table. Uh, we were pretty comfortably in the playoffs at this point. We're six points clear of seventh. Uh, we were a whopping seven points behind Leeds. Uh, only four points off second place. But we had just won our previous two games. Going into the first game of 2019, which was away at Wigan. Um, a 3-0 win, a pretty comfortable win against a team that uh, you know spent most of the season down at the near the bottom of the league. I guess the the main thing to to mention from that one is uh, Billy Sharp broke the record. He became the leading English goalscorer in the EFL in the 21st century. Uh, that was his 220th goal since uh, since the turn of the century. Um, and yeah, Duffy McGoldrick got the others. Uh, I think a fairly fairly routine win. I, I don't know if there's anything much to mention from that one apart from Lee Evans, Mister a sitter for Wigan. Uh, anything else you want to quickly say on that one, or should we move along? Uh, no, just quickly, it was the infamous Dean Henderson dive from Lee Evans' shot, um, <laughs> which, which which covered the shot that was going about 45 miles wide. <laughs> uh, and, and technically, it was a Dean Henderson assist uh, or second assist type game as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, for a, for a, long, a long kick downfield as well. So it's a really good game for Dean. It was. I think that was one of our moments of the season, actually, the Dean Henderson dive. So very good picking that one up. Um, Wonderful. Next, uh, we played... Oh, actually, I should mention here, actually, the next thing that happened before we get to our next yes. game. Yeah. We played Barnet FC of the National League in the FA Cup at home. Uh, I went to this. Uh, we were terrible. We lost 1-0 to yes. a non-league team for the first time in quite a long time. Not not in our history, as um, people very generously pointed out to me after I said that on a, a previous pod. Um and yeah, we I think we made ten changes. Uh, it was definitely a second string team, but it was it was poor. I mean, like I say, I were there, and Barnet fully deserved it. If anything, they should have had a couple more goals. You know, they missed some good chances, and yeah. we had next to nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the uh, the team now, and yeah, th- this was um. So I, I wasn't. I, I got to be honest, I was not that bothered about this. I mean, I, I was actually Barnet a little bit of a second team for me. I used to go and watch them when I, I lived in London. So I was a little bit like, ah, oh, you know, good for you guys. You deserved it. We clearly don't care that much about the cup if we've if we've picked this team, which had Kean Bryan making his first start, Freeman looking like he'd just come in from the pub, Lundstrom started, Marvin Johnson started, Washington and Clark up front. But at the same time, and as as kind of Wilder said afterwards, I mean, there's no way that team should lose to a 
National League team. Um, so it was a little bit embarrassing, but I guess in the scheme of the season, like probably, I, I would, I don't know if you could say it helped us getting knocked out of the FA Cup so soon, but it definitely didn't hinder us. I think to not have to play two or three more games. What do you? What, what was your kind of? What did you think when we when we got knocked out by Barnet? No, I'd agree. I'd agree with you there, mate. It was a, uh, it, it was almost big in a really small way, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, I think by that point we'd sound signed Kieran Dowell, hadn't we? Yeah, Dowell. Uh, we signed Dowell Kieran Dowell. Yeah, we signed Kieran Dowell the day after Wigan, didn't we? That's right. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, second of January. So, yeah. says, so anyone who listens to us over the last two years and know we we I mean me especially, but both of us really like Kieran Dowell, so. We obviously had the Dowell factor that day. There was there was a couple of the, the depth squad players, if you will, who had an opportunity to come and stake a claim. And I think the only worrying thing was, take Barnet out of the equation, take the cup out of the equation. It proved even further what we already knew going into January, which was we don't really have any depth. Hmm. We our, our first 11 at that point, we'll talk about what happened afterwards, but our first 11 at that point was very much our first 11. And there was no pressure coming from behind. Not really in any sense because most weren't good enough. Yeah, and yeah, that game the game really did underline that. And yeah, it's it's slightly worrying because you know you're looking at all these players thinking like you know what happens if Sharp gets injured? What happens if yeah you know, Duffy can't play for ten games or something like that? You know who who's stepping up? And yeah, it's, it was worrying to see them. I mean, Coulthurst for uh, for Barnet, and I think Mason Clark as well. Actually, yeah. the other striker. I mean, they look like international stars compared to our defence you're absolutely running as yeah. ragged and uh, I can't remember the defender was it yeah. might, might have been Sweeney I think just looking at the team sheet just uh, yeah just shut down anything that Clark and Washington were trying to do and even Sharp who came on for 25 minutes actually barely had a sniff either but yeah so I don't know I, I was not I, I was not in meltdown mode after that one I was a bit like ah you know we we obviously didn't want to lose this game but at the same time we Took a bit of a gamble, bit, a bit of a chance, I guess, and that this kind of thing might happen, even though it definitely shouldn't have done. Anyway, to return to your point about lack of depth, the very next day, one Gary Medine signs on loan for Sheffield United for the rest <laughs> of the season. I mean, I, I've just been tweeting this week about uh, stupid transfer rumours because um, I'm being amused by them. And I, and I don't mean like the made-up parody account ones. I mean, the, the genuine ones such as... Uh, Frank Ribery apparently joining for the rest of the season <laughs> is the one that's come this morning. But but the answer to all these, oh my God, that's so stupid, is but we did sign Gary Medine on loan, which it may not seem like it now, but at the time, I mean, I I didn't believe it at all. I, I just thought, what? How is that a Wilder signing? Um, and I mean, I you know, to be completely completely frank, I was not happy about it either in in some respects I guess if you go back and listen to what I said I think I was like do I think Medine will help us win games yes am I happy that we've signed him on a sort of personal level not really but you know it was obviously not going to be a case of like well I'm, I'm just going to sit there if he scores a goal I'm not even going to cheer his name or anything like that but yeah it was a it was a complete curveball but in retrospect it did sort of make sense because because of you know that Barnet game that we said with lack of depth Medina, completely different striker to anything that we had, um, and as it as it proved, I mean, I wouldn't say it was a, a riotous success. Perhaps riotous is not the best word to use there. A, a great success, um, I think it was. You know, it did pay dividends for whatever we paid his wages, etc. You know, there were games where he made a big impact, where he, he allowed us to to change a game, to do something different. So, yeah, what what? How were you feeling when uh, when news of that one broke on January seventh? I think we'd spoke. Um, no, no secrets here. We'd, I'd certainly heard mumblings, but because I've, of the I've name rumors, that I was yeah. told, yeah, you, you know, you, you hear the mumblings, especially if you're privileged as we are to kind of, I, I don't know why, but we're obviously sometimes we get things maybe ahead of others. And it's, you, you hear some names and you think, okay, yeah, makes sense. I don't really see it, but okay, makes sense. You saw the Gary Medine name and you were like, nah, yeah, nah. Just, just, just the, the one thing the Sheffield United team is based on is all about the connection with the fans. Um, you know, the, the whole system, every, everything is about creating good goal-scoring chances for really predatory type centre forwards. Yeah, it's great to have a Plan B, but not this guy. No mm-hmm. chance. And then it happened, 
and it all of a sudden was like obliterated probably what any of us thought but it's hard not to look back on that one retrospectively I, I think at the time similar to yourself always with football it's really hard isn't it to, to you have to disdain between the two you have to split what's your your opinion in terms of your emotion but also what's what what might help the club hmm. and it was always the case of Gary Medine is a decent footballer he's a very good footballer in fact um, especially at what he does in terms of aerial dominance and hmm. we had nothing like that so there's always going to be a case of if we needed to go longer Gary Medine is probably the best player we could get at this level to do that hmm. um, but it, it, you know you just have to put some I wouldn't say morals because I, I wouldn't want to be so high and mighty about that but you just have to put some personal feelings aside and say I think the only thing we all said, uh, and I, I would agree with this summer as well, if we end up seeing names that, not quite Frank Ribbery, but if we see names maybe some of us don't quite understand, is Mr Wilder has bought up enough credit in the bank in transfers for us all just to go, yep, whatever, he's right. Yep, he can do that. Um, and I think this was one of those where, retrospective looking back, you just think, okay, Wilder knew exactly what he was doing. Just let him do it. That's fine. Um but yeah, it was a really weird one, wasn't it? It wasn't. It was, and it, it was it was divisive among fans, I think, as well. You know, I mean, I I, yeah. I, I stayed out of it for a, a good week or so, I think, while I just sort of formulated my thoughts on it properly. But yeah, you know, you could see people, you know, some people saying like, I've, you know, I'm never ever cheering this guy, like I can't because of what he's done, and you know, you're, you're yeah, this I, is... I won't argue that you're entitled to feel that way, and then you know, there's the counter argument as well, and so it was, you know, that was that was kind of annoying. As a, as a fan, because I was like, you know, we're doing really, really well. We'd won three league games in a row at that point. All right, we just lost to Barnet, but we were very nicely placed in the league. And suddenly it's like, oh, no, everyone's like at each other. No, he's just throwing speed now. In as much as you can be in an internet keyboard warrior way. Yeah, no, there was, there was, I, I remember it myself. I remember being in heated kind of Twitter discussions. There was visibly people up there, if you will. Mm. Um, you, know, you know, because without going into what had happened or whatnot, there was there were certain things that had happened that had not just not just about a, a, a character that might upset a dressing room. There was genuine divi- divisions as in towards the United fan base. We, one thing that this team is built on is that connection with the fans. Mm. We'd become one club again. You know, the team, the fans, it, it didn't matter who was against us. We were all one together. Everyone was backing each other and it was just this, this wonderful fusion of that. But that was one that no one of us no, we're not privileged we're, we're not inside so we don't know what people are like in a dressing room we're just either guessing or at least trying to make the most informed opinion and, and, and I think most people's thoughts were not just of what Medina had done in the past were also could that not rock the boat yeah you know, it, it looked like a signing that could rock the boat um, and people were making that assertion without really any evidence but I, I could also understand why they were saying it yeah I guess I have to say I never thought that because you know that that's where you, the wildest credit does come in. I mean, look at all the players that we've signed in the in his uh, three years. I'd say there's next to no one that kind of fits that bill. So that that never actually worried me that there would be like a professionalism or yeah squad harmony problem. But yeah, as you say, I, I can see why some people would think that for sure. But anyway, Medine came in. Uh, yeah, as I said, I think it definitely worked out for us. Um, the next oh, game uh, was QPR at home. Uh, I think I've described QPR as the most aggressively mid-table team that we played all season. This was a fairly <laughs> drab game. Uh, the only thing I'll say about this one is uh, I watched it with a, uh, a Real Madrid fan, a Real Madrid season ticket holder, experienced his first taste of, uh, of Bramall Lane, and he absolutely loved it. He thought it was a great game. Uh, Premier League atmosphere, he described it as, because uh, it's not exactly what I thought at the time. It was you know, a fairly boring game, won by a, a McGoldrick header and QPR did next to nothing. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's too much to, to say about that one. It was a, a, just a, a ticket-off kind of game, really. Uh, a 1-0 win, um, made it four wins in a row. We then went to Swansea City on uh, Sky. Oh, excuse me, one thing we... Just before that, we extended Martin Craney's loan until the end. Uh, sorry, his contract until the end of the season because he was on a very short-term contract. So uh, another uh, tidy bit of business. I don't think Craney had actually played too much up to this point, and he became a very oh. crucial piece in the rest of the season. I was just about to say that 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 sounds completely innocuous in terms of trying oh. to review a second half of the season, and it turned out to probably be absolutely bloody vital. Definitely, as we will see in um, about. Th- Four or five more games. But yeah, this Swansea game, uh, we lost 1-0 to uh, 
a goal from our buddy Ollie McBurney, who, uh, I mean, I think we could you could make a strong case for signing him just so he can't score against us anymore, because I, I think that's like, I think he scored yeah. in his last three games against us, something ridiculous. But a tight, a tight, frustrating game. We missed some very good chances in the first half. I mean, McGoldrick certainly missed one. I think Sharp as well had a, a close-range shot that yeah. the keeper ended up saving, but you think you've got to bury that, really. Um, and then, yeah, second half conceded to McBurney. Um, it was quite... Uh, I think Swansea played us quite smart, actually. And, in fact, they were the only team apart from Bristol City to do the double over us um, in the whole season. But, yeah, I think they brought Dan James on at half-time. That's uh, Manchester United's Dan James and kind of... Um, Kind of pushed us back a bit, and you know Leroy Fur was kind of uh, uh, running the show in midfield. I thought, um, and a slightly frustrating end to this game. We brought Medine on, and I've got to be honest, we immediately abandoned all hope of trying to play football and just whacked it to Medine's yeah, head from yeah. the halfway line. That's a that was a slightly worrying way to lose a game, which is probably a bit extreme considering we just won four in a row. But yeah, that was. That was a little bit of a fuel to the fire of like, oh, should we have signed Medin? Do you think? Do you remember yeah. that kind of feeling? I do. Yeah, no, you're right. We, we had it on the pod. I remember it because I remember, I remember us also saying Dowell came on in that game and he only did two things in like the 15 minutes he was on, but they were very good things. Mm. He tried a through ball that nearly got some that Leon Cork in. It was a bad touch by Clark. And he also put a wonderful little cross in from like a half space type position. But because we played long ball, after that, when Medine came on, it was like we just missed Dowell out of the game completely. That's right, yeah. Um, I, I do remember that. I also remember, and it was, um, go on, I'll defend us a little bit here. Again, we weren't, we, we were assessing one loss, but we weren't analysing that in a bigger scheme. I do remember, again, quite a lot of outcry over one loss, which was actually the first loss in, well, one loss in six, that was. Yeah, first in um, six. And it went on to be... Yeah, it was, I mean, it, uh, almost you look back now and you think, what what was our issue? Um, but mm. I guess it was more the it was more the style. I think, like you say, it was more the. But if you remember that game, we also had a really massive chance at the end for Leon. What he missed? Oh yeah, um, the corner. Wide. Yeah, exactly. I, it, it was like a, it was a header. I'm sure it was a header. Mm. Um, and it you know it, it doesn't seem much because it was kind of one of those headers where it, it dipped over a centre half and it was quite a quick reactionary type thing. But it was actually a massive xG chance, and you think. All right, so we chances in the first half didn't happen. We created a massive chance at the end. What was really that wrong with that? I'm not sure there was much. We really dominated the first half. Swansea pressed us back in the second end really well, but it's hard, isn't it? It's hard not to look back retrospectively. The main man in the game was the guy who was just signed for Man United for 15 million quid. So I'm not really sure we we should be upset about that. Probably not. And as it happens, uh, so that was the 19th of January. Uh, there were 17 games still to come, I believe, and we lost one of them. So <laughs> there's, yes. there wasn't yeah, too, exactly. Yeah, there wasn't too many more along the way. Um, next, we went to Norwich in one of the games of the season. Um, Love it. Yeah, and, I mean, you were at this one. Uh, I unfortunately was not able to uh, to watch it, but... It was yeah, sharp, uh, sharp equalised from the penalty spot, and uh, Mr. Socko came out for the first time, which is uh, <laughs> the start of a, an interesting subplot, I think, in the rest of the season. Um, it finished two all. Uh, Pookie put them back in the lead uh, in one of his many, many goals that he scored before Sharp equalised uh, in the 79th minute, and yeah, a a fully deserved point in which I think we we possibly could have nicked ourselves I mean you were there do you want to give me your, your take on that one quickly yeah, very quickly I, I I know we spoke about on the previous ones guy we spoke about our pre you know best performances or most important wins that was up there with me mm. um Norwich away because for the first 20 25 minutes we were obliterated they ripped through us um Onel Hernandez Jamal Lewis Max Ahrens all their main guys for Norwich Steeperman were dominating us absolutely dominators we'd started with Dowell instead of Duffy um, and it, it's almost like we were trying to play we played Medina Sharp up front and actually Medina Sharp looked half dangerous they were actually trying to link rear. that's the first embers actually I thought when this Medina thing is fine every yeah. time he got the ball or, or won a header or kind of it came to him and he tried to chest control it and turn and play he was constantly looking for Billy and it was almost like they're actually forming those two mm. um, so that, that was good to see but actually Dowell was kind of missing for the first half an hour uh, and the midfield balance wasn't quite right but to go to a side who were that flying, to be obliterated for 20 minutes and look like you, you're lucky to be 1-0 down, to then turn that into a performance in the second half where 
as you say, we went one, we went one one with a penalty. Then then Norwich went two one, but Duffers came on and changed the game completely. He was absolutely astonishingly good in a short period of time. Most chances created on the pitch in about half an hour, and we actually should have won that game. And considering how good Norwich were at that time and turned out to be, mm. and I've got Norwich fans who I went to that game with, they said they'd not played a better side all season. That says an that game said an awful lot for me. That was a to go there and not lose. That was a real promotion type booster. Yeah, definitely. And um, yeah, at that point we we're still in the kind of mode of like, well, we pretty much automatically lose to all these top six teams, particularly away. Yeah. That's kind of what we've been doing all season. Um, and yeah, yeah. we took uh, ended up taking four points off Norwich in the end. I don't know if uh, I don't know if any other team managed to do that or, or better in the season. I, I, I'd be surprised if they did. Um, so no. yeah, it was a, a good result. Um, we're then entering. Okay, so then we're finishing up January. So uh, I'll just mention this one. I'm not mentioning everybody that uh, left the club in January, but Leon Clark loaned out to Wigan, which proved to be, I would say, super decisive. But you know, he, he made some contributions for yeah. for Wigan that had a, a nice effect for us down the season. Um, and then right on the end of January, Scott Hogan signs on loan, which. I was pretty happy about that. Like, I was like, that's a good uh, a good alternative to Sharp if he can't play every game. You know, it, all right, uh, Hogan's had his, his injury problems, but he's, he's generally a sort of uh, uh, a poacher, like on the last on the shoulder of the last defender kind of guy. So felt like felt like a good signing. Suddenly, we have um, four very good strikers. I mean, you know, certainly you can say that about McGoldrick and Sharp at that point. And yeah, Medine definitely is a sort of. Uh, an option, I guess, you know, an alternative, etc. And then Hogan comes in as well. It's suddenly like, whoa, this squad looks pretty well placed right now. Did you think that with uh, with Hogan signing? Yeah, that, I think at the time, again, that, that helps the Medine kind of calm down again. With the Norwich result helped, the Norwich performance from Medine helps. Um, but then signing Hogan is in, a, in terms of a replacement for Leon. Look at the depth of strikers we had at the start of January. Look at what they, we had at the end. Yeah. And variety of those strikers you, you it's not even this is not even retrospective this was at the time it's not even comparable Leon Clark Sharp McGoldrick and Washington compared to Hogan Medine McGoldrick Sharp and Washington is a li- another level yeah I, re- um, I remember uh, looking at our bench I, and thinking like that is there's a lot of options yes. there suddenly yeah definitely mate definitely that, uh, it was a big one that one it, it didn't work out in terms of I don't mean it didn't work out in terms of you know impact. He obviously made an impact, but it wasn't as big as maybe some of us thought it was going to be. But you've got no idea how much that option makes a difference. Um, mm. You know, to teams analysing how they're going to play against us. But quite frankly, they didn't really know what front two we were going to put out. So no, exactly. It was the first time I, I looked at our sub bench and thought, and like pretty much every week, I was like, "There's three or four players there. I'd be quite happy with them starting this yeah. game." So yeah, that was good news. Um, just after that, into February. Uh, beat Bolton Wanderers 2-0 at home. Uh, Bolton were terrible and obviously got relegated. Uh, a very comfortable win for United. Two goals in the second half from McGoldrick and Sharp. Made it 2-0. Then we get to the big one, mate. This is... Uh, yeah, this is... I would say this is one of two major turning points for the rest of the season. We travelled to Villa Park on a Friday night, possibly. It was definitely on Sky. Um, and we were absolutely magnificent for... 81 minutes, <laughs> by which point we were 3-0 up thanks to a Billy Sharp hat-trick. We had made Villa look like amateurs, to be honest. Their fans were basically, most of them had gone home by the 80th minute. Then yeah. Dean Henderson missed the corner. Taron Ming scored his first goal in three or four years, I think it was. Uh, Dean Henderson then parried a shot into the path of Tammy Abraham in the 86th minute. It's 2-3. And then in the 94th minute, Jack O'Connell swung and missed at a clearance, which came over to the far post, and uh, Andre Green headed it in to make it 3-all. And sickening does not even cover it, I don't think. Um, yeah, that was... It was it was gutting. I, I, I couldn't believe what I'd seen. It was so uncharacteristic from... From our defence to to throw a game away, I know we hadn't actually started on our run of clean sheets here, but you know those that level of individual mistakes we had just not seen from these players at all, and it, it was shocking in in every sense of the word. As in, it was terrible, and it, I was shocked by it. Um, I think the only thing that I would say is, and I said this on the pod, 
is I felt more confident about automatic promotion after this game than I did before it. And I remember that being very much a hot take. But I was so encouraged by what I saw for 80 minutes. Because as it proved, Villa, all right, they weren't doing brilliantly at that point. But as it proved, they are a very, very good team. They were 10th in the table at that point. Um, and we just absolutely destroyed them as we did at Bramall Lane for 80 minutes or so. But the melt, it's almost like trying to offset the emotion of what you've just seen of throwing away a three goal lead and be like, all right, so a really freakish set of circumstances just happened. How relevant is that when judging our actual overall ability? And I was probably optimistically, although as it turns out, kind of correct, skewing towards like, oh no, this is kind of underlined for me that we are really, really good. And assuming this kind of meltdown doesn't happen too regularly, we're going to be in a really strong position for the rest of the season. But yeah, what what was your your feelings on the on the Villa game at the time, and I guess in retrospect as well? Uh, at the time, simpler that I was the the whole start side of it had gone, and my head had gone. Um, I was one of those that just emotionally was just too caught up in that one, and I was like, "Ah, oh, we're going to collapse." You know, I didn't think it was going to collapse as in lose every single game or any nonsense like that. But I was like, "Ah, oh, that's a, that's a, that's got to be a turning point because it." I think it's fair to say a lot of times in football that does happen. Mm. A result like that will happen and it is a turning point. It is a, oh, that's a test there. And it will go one way or the other and we know which way it went. But the other thing was, like you say, it almost, it's okay now because we got promoted. But for the for the week following that, it almost got lost how amazing we were for 80 minutes, well, 70, 75 minutes yeah. before Villa started to assert some form of pressure. I mean, was that? Am I right in saying that was Sharp's 100th United goal as well in that hat trick that he got? Yeah, it was. I was just checking that. It was 100 and 101. Yeah, um, and you're just thinking, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's were, all were... about Billy in this game, and then suddenly that story is just torpedoed, and my enduring memory That's of it. Sharp is him sat on the bench looking shell shocked. I mean, you know, they were, and it was the most Billy Sharp type of goals as well, weren't they? You've mm. got like, you know, good, great movement, literally kicking a keeper's head off to try and get the ball. Just everything in the six-yard box, you know, a scrap to come, but that's what he does, and he's brilliant at it, and it all counts for one, which is the same value it does from 45 yards, so who cares? Yep. But that's, you know, it was the most Billy Sharp time game. It was set up for all the credit to be for the man that deserves it. We had Kieran Dowell brilliant assisting that game. We had some brilliant performance. I mean, the first 20 minutes, I remember watching that game. I remember Sky trying to, like, Obviously, the like, tactical guys, trying to, Andy Hinchcliffe or whatever, trying to analyse like the, the movement, the rotation. George Baldock was p- picking positions up that Pep Guardiola's right backs do. Mm. You know, he was like he, he wasn't just on the right wing because he's a right wing back. He was actually inverting and making three centre mids. And Norwood was appearing at right centre back, and Basham was appearing at right wing back. And he was just Villa had absolutely no answer to what the hell was going off. No. And then all of a sudden we just clapped. We, we, you know, one mistake and we crumbled. We absolutely yeah. crumbled. Uh, I'm not convinced um, they found an answer either. I think we we gave them no, three answers. No. It, it, that was that was another thing that ticked me off about this one. Was like, oh, the Dean Smith masterclass. I was like, you jammy, no. you did absolutely nothing. Yeah. We just gave you those calls. No. They they literally got the ball. Once that pressure was on, what they did was clever. They got the ball out. while I got it into the box. They've got big guys. Guys who were aggressive and attacked the ball, and, and we crumbled by that point. But yeah. it was just such a shame that, you know, we all know now the kind of, and it's not speculation because Wilder's already, you know, allayed to it after promotion. We all know that that was a turning point, not in terms of turning a bad season around or turning a good season to bad, but in terms of some 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 mistakes were made in that game, some standards had slipped below what was expected. And we all know now that the players had certainly sorted that out after the game. Mm. You know, there were standards that are expected of certain people and they fell below them and they were told in no uncertain terms those standards are never to go that below again. And that was clear with the next run of fixtures, which we'll get on to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, you know, there were people kind of... I was not among them at all. There were people saying, you know, well, that, as you kind of mentioned, that that could be the, the result that torpedoes the season. You know, how does a, how does a side recover from a shock like that? And I was like, well, it is only just... It is only one game. And I mean, we are... I'm looking now, we were still fourth in the league at that point. There was frustration because, yes, we had played on a Friday night. Had we won, we would have gone back into the top two. Um, we may even have gone uh, above or level on points with Norwich, actually, if we'd won that game. Um, so, yeah, there, there was that, like, oh, crap, we've just thrown away something amazing. But I still, yeah, I still came out of it thinking, like, that has kind of underlined for me how good we are and... Yeah, assuming we don't basically throw the ball in the net three times every game, I think we'll be all right. 
And so it kind of proved, mate. This was the start of a run of seven straight clean sheets after that Villa game. So what a way to answer a defensive meltdown. Um, the next game was uh, Middlesbrough at home on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, uh, certainly midweek, the following game. Uh, I had some slight worries going into this one because suddenly Jack O'Connell was not in the team for the first time in forever. I mean, genuinely, I think for about two or three seasons, O'Connell was not available. He was injured. Um, Basham was suspended. So Craney had come in for him. Stevens was playing. I mean, we, I was in the pub before. I'm trying to work out what the hell our formation was because we've got Dowland Duffy starting with Sharp and McGoldrick. And then, uh, yeah, Craney, Egan, Stevens. I was like, what? What's going on here? We're we playing like a, a completely different formation. As it transpired, we were having uh, Stevens was filling in at centre back. For O'Connell and Dowell was playing left wing back for the first time in his entire career. And we're playing Middlesbrough, who were, let me just check, they were top six at that point. They were four points behind us. Pretty big game. Was yeah. uh, not ideal conditions to be going into it, having had the villa meltdown and suddenly you're without two of your most important players in O'Connell and Basham, I would say. Um, the first half was very even, but then I think the second half we really stepped it up. We brought Medine on at a half time, actually, which. All right, he didn't score, he didn't get an assist for the winning goal or anything like that, but I think he definitely changed the flow of the game. Suddenly, Borough literally had their hands full. Uh, it created space elsewhere, he won some free kicks. In fact, he did win the free kick from which uh, Stearman scored the winning goal because, uh, yeah, Stearman must have come on for... Oh, Stearman came off a of Bulldog, that's right, Bulldog went off injured as well, so we had to do some major reshuffling. Craney actually started at centre-back and moved to right wing-back in that game. Um, and yeah, Stearman came on at half-time, ended up getting the winning goal. And uh, yeah, a massive, massive win, that one, I think, as a as a response. I remember afterwards being like, yeah, we really, really shouldn't doubt the quality and like character of this team. No, never. That It was... It, it, it's gone again it, in retrospective. It almost looks better retrospectively um, because everyone was expecting... No, not a loss, but everyone was expecting backlash from the Villa game if that game didn't go right. And it wasn't going wrong, but it wasn't going right either. Mm. Um, you know, And then to be able to bring Medine on and prove that Medine was the right acquisition because he changed the game completely. Um, and then with all the changes we had to make for it to be Stearman as well, who we always were saying at the time was an absolute model pro and it turned out to be an absolute ridiculous legend by the end of the season. Yeah. Um, but just for all those things to knit into place, for Kieran Dowell to play left wing back, I mean, I, you look at Kieran Dowell, he's not a championship left wing back. Look at him, he's quite slight of frame, didn't mm. come with the reputation as a, a hard worker. And then he's he's there, you know, running up and down the left wing as though his life depends on it. And it was just, it sums up, for me, it summed up Chris Wilder, which was, he can get players to do things that they shouldn't be able to do. Mm. Um, and he get and he, if they can do what he gets them to do, it's because he's squeezing every single ounce out of them. And and the importance of that game just summed up the character, as you say, the squad has. So I don't like the word character in football because it's often used when really it just means people were better than they were before. <laughs> but this really was this really was character. It was worlds against us. The Villa game had just happened. Injuries had been happening. We weren't playing that well. Just you know, one of those mid-winter nights where it just wasn't seem to be happening, and that's the type of game that makes promotion or breaks it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a few days later, we beat Reading 4-0 at home. Uh, scored after about 15, <laughs> probably about 30 seconds. The Kieran Freeman suddenly back in the team for the injured Bulldog and he, he knocked knocked one in on the line. Uh, Medin got his first goals for us. Uh, we were 3-0 up at half-time, completely cruising. Fleck made it 4-0 with a deflected shot just after half-time. Very, very straightforward win. One of the, one of the worst uh, opposition performances I'd, I'd seen that season, I think. And... Uh, yeah, just a, a good three points. The next one was big, mate. That was uh, excuse me, West Brom away, and our first meaning, first proper win against the top six team away. I think uh, West Brom were just behind us in the table at the time, um, and yeah, it was a similar situation. Still no O'Connell, still Ender Stevens at left back. Uh, we started Marvin Johnson at left wing back in this one with Dowell moving into uh, into midfield. Um, and yeah, I think uh, I think a deserved win. I mean, uh, I know that uh, West Brom had quite a lot of shots, but they were all from poor areas. And I think the only real chance they had, apart from Jay Rodriguez uh, punching the ball into the net, was um, was from Stevens's only mistake of the game right at the end. But Henderson came out and, uh, and did brilliantly to save it. But yeah, a great win, a lovely goal as well, a goal that sort of 
summed up United, I think, of bringing out a defence, Martin Craney bombing forward as the overlapping centre-back, getting to the byline, putting in a great cross, and Dowell's there with a, a great header to uh, to get the winner. But, yeah, that was that was a big one. That moved us back into second place, above Leeds on goal difference, two points off Norwich. Um, and I think... I think for a few people that'll have been the uh, beginning to believe moment as well. I mean, what did you reckon? Yes, yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think the players. I'm trying to be quick about it. But I think the players' celebrations at the end of the game said a lot. Mm. Um, it was so quite muted. United wasn't it? team. It, it, yeah, yeah, it was very muted. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think the, the the fans were going nuts. A lot of the players were going nuts. But then you, hit, I think there was a. For those of us who weren't lucky enough to be there, and I know a lot of lads and lasses that were, and they enjoyed that day most more than others, but I think there was an interview with Holly Norwood after the game, mm. and it gave me goosebumps. It did at the time, it gave, which was just basically, they were just asking Holly, you know, oh, how much does this win mean in terms of promotion? And Ollie's obviously done this two times before, but he was there with Billy as well, and Holly just said, yeah, we've won a game, next one, we're just yeah. a machine, we're just going to go on one by one, tick them off. Yep, next game, we've won a game. I don't really care who it's against. We've won a game of football. And that gave me goosebumps because I was like, bloody hell, this not really know what they're... Not just know what they're doing. This, the mentality-wise, we're spot on. Yeah. You know, there was no there was no panic after Villa. There was no over-celebration after Middlesbrough and Westbrook. It was just, we're ready. Absolutely ready. Everyone in this squad is absolutely ready. Like you say, people are coming in from the complete outskirts with, with no real game time and making contributions, which... It's just key in the championship because it's an absolute, it's not even a marathon, it's an absolute it's just slog, it's war. It really is in terms of you know, decimating your squad and to, ha- to have people come and make contributions like that is massive. Yeah, definitely. All right, so then we had the uh, the Sheffield derby, the third consecutive nil-nil draw, I think. Uh, it was a, I think this was probably the worst of the three games, the three nil-nils. Uh, By a couple, mile. Yeah, a couple of things to note. We, McGoldrick did not start. Gary Medine did, uh, and Duffy did not get on the pitch. Um, neither of which I was hugely happy about at the time. Uh, and certainly when McGoldrick came on in the 68th minute, we immediately looked more dangerous without actually creating a proper chance. Um, I think there was sort of one big chance each uh, for each team. Medine had a close range header, well saved. And I think it was Hutchison for Wednesday had a probably it an was. even better chance, yeah. Which uh, I mean, he hit it straight at the goalkeeper. We have to give some credit to Henderson for being in the right position, but yeah, just a drab game. I mean, we definitely should have had a penalty for um, Medine getting getting wrestled in the box, but yeah, just a uh, not not a good game. Kind of happy to just tick it off. Disappointed we didn't beat Wednesday at all because we were, you know, pretty clearly better than them all the way through the season. But at the same time, like. Just take it off, take a point, move on, I think, was my feeling of that one. Yep. Uh, it's weird. Sheffield Derby, you'd expect a lot to add. Nothing to add, really. Yeah. I think we should just stop playing them now. Well, we don't have to next season anyway. <laughs> and hopefully there for three more years. Yeah. All right. Then we played uh, another Yorkshire Derby. Uh, it was Rotherham at home. Uh, took the lead from a very nice set piece of Connell finishing. Uh, Will Volks. Vol- I never really say this guy's name. I always feel like I'm mispronouncing it. Volks? 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 No? I think so. Yeah. yeah, we'll go with folks. It got sent off in the 28th minute for a, a very bad tackle uh, on Baldock, I think it was. Um, rather, we'd actually been in the game at that point. It was more even than I was expecting. But yeah, from, from going down to 10 men, they they showed absolutely no ambition whatsoever to try and get up the pitch or anything. So we basically penned them in. Finally got a, a second goal with a, a cracking strike from Duffy from the edge of the area. Uh, a 2-0 win, another clean sheet. And uh, yeah, we're still in the box seat, I think. So yeah, then we come to another sort of big turning point. Um, Tuesday night against Brentford at home. Uh, 2-0 win against a mid-table team. I mean, it's probably all there is to say, really. Just move on, I think. Is anything you want to chip in with that game? Uh, no, not really. It's, uh, it was uh, weirdly there was a lot of routine type wins coming in this this run of fixtures. So, yeah, I'd say this one was not so routine though. Um, no. <laughs> so we we went one nil up. I, I would say Brentford looked fantastic even before Gary Medine somehow decided to get himself sent off for a ridiculous foul. Yeah, they did. Um, we went one 0 up from the penalty spot, but Brentford were just knocking it all over the place. And you're, you're looking at them, going like, "How on earth are these fifteenth or wherever they are on the table? They're like the best side to come to Bramall Lane this season." 
Medine got sent off in the 35th minute and it was uh, it was a barrage essentially I mean it was real backs to the wall stuff from United it was head it kick it get in the way of it do everything you can um, Brentford <laughs> didn't they didn't really create that much there was a lot of pot shots and you know Henderson did make some good saves but I think the the one thing I really want to call out in this one I'm just going to check the timings on it we kind of recognised that what we were trying to do was not working. So we brought a half-time. Craney came on for Dal. Uh, so that was essentially removing a midfielder for a defender. <clears throat> um, and it wasn't working. It was just an onslaught from uh, Brentford. So 60th minute, we took off George Bullock, a defender, and brought on Billy Sharp and went two up front. And, yeah, it was clearly like, hang on, we, we just if we just keep going like this, we're going to lose this game. It's 1-0 at this point. We're going to concede and we're probably going to lose. So we're going to put an extra man up front, attempt to get up the pitch and you know use up time that way. And it worked. And we ended up getting a second goal when um, Sharp pressure, pressured the defence into a mistake and McGoldrick headed in from the corner from in the 84th minute. And yeah, I mean, you, you called it at the time, the uh, the Great Wall of Sheffield, probably O'Connell and Egan's, uh, you know, if, if their agents are ever trying to shop them around, you know, heaven forbid... I think I would just put put together this game in a package and send that round to uh, prospective teams because they were immense and yeah this was this was a, a massive win which maybe you wouldn't have thought it would be uh, you know at kickoff a really really great night at Bramall Lane what do you reckon? Stunning, absolutely stunning win, stunning team performance, grit, determination, everything you need if you're ever going to get even top six, never mind top two, and defensively outstanding I don't really remember Dino having to do anything crazy no he, he made some good saves but nothing crazy uh, and that's because he just had this absolute brick wall in front of him and that actually was the template for us to go on for the rest of the season really in terms of the big games you think of again we'll discuss it in a minute so I won't go into it but you think of some of the bigger games coming up the fact that we knew that we could sit on a lead and we could defend was a, mm. a big step change from the season before Definitely. I'm just looking at the stats now. Brentford had 29 shots in that game, five of which were on target, which just shows you, well, it shows you how poor they were in their shot selection, but also how great we were at shuttling them into less dangerous areas, uh, blocking shots, etc. So, yeah, you're right. That defensive solidity, this was, you know, this was the first time I think that we'd been really under the cosh in a game pretty much all season. And boy, did we answer the test. And that stood us in very good stead for the next game, which was an even bigger turning point now when I look at it than uh, than it felt at the time. I was, of course, United going to Ellen Road, getting a 1-0 win. Um, the You know, when they talk about six-pointers, I mean, the, the, the leverage of this game uh, is such that by winning, we went one point ahead of them. Had we lost, we would have been five points behind. And as, as it kind of saw in the rest of the season, five points is quite a lot of points. So, yeah, it was, it was massive. I mean, we weren't... I don't think we were... We certainly weren't our fluent best in this one, but we defended solidly. We had Basham in midfield. It was shocking in the first half, as we talked about, but ended up getting the winning goal. And then, you know, Leeds had a, had a bit of a meltdown. The goalkeeper got sent off. They ended up with Pontus Janssen in there. I mean, you know, team of the season defenders, Liam Cooper and Pontus Janssen, not their greatest game, I don't think. And, uh, yeah, a, a huge, a huge win in there. I mean, as, they, as Pontus Janssen had said, the their biggest game of their lives for some of them and to turn up at a, a fired up doesn't really cover it Elland Road crowd and get the win was I mean I I didn't believe that we would go and do that so I was I was stunned by this one and yeah as I said it it put us right back into uh into second place and and just looking really really strong for the rest of the season yeah what do, what do you reckon to that one uh it's which I know we're trying to rush through to get this done. You could spend an hour, couldn't you, on that <laughs> Leeds game? The whole Basham starting absolutely woefully. It looked like your granddad was playing in centre mid. Um, <laughs> I think that's disrespectful to, to my granddad, to be honest. Your granddad probably would have played better than Bash for the first <laughs> half an hour. Rainey putting in some outstanding blocks in the first ten minutes. You know they were they were killing us. They were finding Pablo in spaces where he loves it, and we just couldn't cope. But again. The Brentford template, I think, gave the boys a lot of confidence defensively that mm. when it's on top, you know, when we're in low block, when we're just getting absolutely dominated, actually, we, we can see out a zero, if you will. Um, and it was needed because we, 
let's fudge that Leeds game. We were dominated for long periods. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it, it, it was a counter-attack smash-grab win. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not me criticising United. That's just what it was. Um, we, we did definitely sharp bullied in that moment. He bullied Cooper completely because although it was a missed kick, there was duels after that which Sharp dominated. Great control and then a great setup to Bash and the greatest tackle ever seen to put it into, <laughs> into the back the of the net. net. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was just the scenes when the goal went in, the scenes at the end of the game, I don't think I've ever, I've got to be honest, following United, I don't think I've ever felt like that. I mm. don't think I ever have. I've, you know, you talk quarterfinals, semifinals, or cups or whatever, you talk Wembley moments. I've never had that much relief that A, you've, you've got to win, but B, what that win can mean. I've never felt like that before in my life. That was yeah. huge. Because if, if, if Leeds won that game, they were gone. I know they slipped up, but they were gone. What would it have been? Four, five, six points at that we point? We would have been five points behind them if we'd lost. I don't see as... I, I honestly still now, I know Leeds you know, had, a, had a really poor form-wise running. I don't see us bridging that gap. I don't think we, they, they would have been any sort of pressure like what there was because we won that game. Yeah. So I, I can't... That's instrumental. That was instrumental. It definitely was. Um, that was seven straight clean sheets. Uh, unfortunately, brought down to earth with a bit of a bump. We had another international break uh, and played Bristol City at home. Um, yeah, the second time we played them yeah. after an international break. Uh, we went 1-0 up after six minutes, and I was like, ah, here we go. You know, Bristol City were pushing for the playoffs, but they were... Where are they? Oh, sorry, they were, they were in the top six at this point, but a good 13 points behind us. Uh, so, you know, a good team, but yeah, 1-0 up, we're like... This is this is good. We're cruising. Um, then Vyman equalised for them before half time. Scott Hogan got his first goal, put us two one up, um, and then two. Well, let me let me get this right. I believe O'Connell went off injured, didn't he? About that point. Am I getting the right player here? Hang on. I'm just going to quickly check that. Da, 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 da. Yeah, O'Connell went off in the 76th minute uh, with Marvin Johnson replacing him. Oh dear, did not go well. 77th minute, Vyman equalised. 83rd minute, Vyman put them ahead and we lost 3-2. Our first home defeat since the West Brom game way back in December. Um, yeah, it was it was Marvin Johnson's scapegoat hour, I think. I mean, I have some sympathy because he was in some very unfamiliar positions for who is supposed to be a left winger. Um, but yeah, not not great. Didn't sort of uh, let Vyman go for the second goal and basically... I guess you could say Nesh the tackle on the edge of our area for the winner as well. So I don't remember being too devastated about this one. It felt obviously like a missed opportunity off the back of the Leeds game, but not a huge low point, just like a slightly worrying like, oh, Bristol City looked really, really good and deserved to win that game. And yes, I don't know, a slight, slight worry, but I don't remember tearing my hair out after that one. Yeah, yeah. He just put a down on the Leeds win almost, didn't he? A little bit. I don't. I, I don't remember. I, I know there was some outcry. I, you know, there was obviously negatives because we lost it and we didn't lose very well either. We weren't great in that game, despite the fact we scored two goals. Mm. I don't remember feeling like it was a season ender or or anything like that. It was just. I mean, we lost what we lost one game from the twenty sixth of Jan to the end of the season. You're going mm. to lose a game of football. This was our game of football to lose. It was just as simple as that, really. We we didn't really turn up. Bristol City did. They scored some wonder goals within that. Um, yeah, it just happens every now and again, doesn't it? You just lose a game of football. Yeah, and we we bounced back brilliantly in the next game, uh, which was Preston away. Uh, again, not like an incredible performance, but uh, a, a solid win. McGoldrick put us ahead from a set piece in the first half. Uh, Preston at that point were pushing for the playoffs as well. I think they were in that sort of that pack of like we need to win like three or four games in a row and then we'll be in the top six. But yeah, I, I don't feel ever really under threat in this one. I think um, I think they had a header late on, but it was pretty well defended and it went wide. But yeah, we we had some good chances to kind of finish the game in the second half and it was a good away day as Preston tends to be and nice nice to get a win, yeah. nice to bounce back. And as we were leaving the ground, uh, confirmation that um, Leeds had not only failed to beat Birmingham, they had lost to Birmingham as well. So, yeah, that, that suddenly made everything look a lot rosier than it had done after the Bristol City game. Um, we then played Birmingham away uh, and drew one all. Ender put us ahead, um, but we conceded just for half-time and didn't really show up in the second half, I think. Um 
you know, I remember, again, not like Birmingham had loads of chances, but Henderson had to make a couple of good saves. Um, and yeah, it felt a little bit like, ah, oh, two points dropped. I really did think we were going to win that one. And especially being 1-0 up as well, you think, this is classic United now. We're just going to see this out. There's no way, you know, uh, I think Birmingham had had their points deduction by this point. In fact, yes, they definitely had. So, you know, they had essentially yeah, they nothing had. nothing to play for, really. I know people say, like, oh, they're in the relegation fight. They weren't in a relegation fight. Um, so, yeah, that, that was an annoying one. Um, anything to say about that one before we get on to uh, a major one next up? No, just very quickly, it was the start of that kind of tic-tac-toe between us and Leeds in terms of mm. chipping every week, or not even every week, every game round, if you yeah, will. So you, sometimes you have second place. Weeks, no, no, you have second place. Yeah, exactly that. And it was, it was the, the you know, for the emotional fans out there, it was the start of this, oh, no, season's over. Yeah, we're getting promoted. Oh, no, season's over. And it just mm. kind of taught you, actually, that the points gap is that, that bloody minimal and the championship is that weird that it's not going to be about points over two games. It's points over five games, seven games, ten games, which actually matter. Which, yeah. to be fair to Wilder, he was always staying. So, yeah, it was just a start that, wasn't it? Yeah, so after that round of games, we were, we'd gone back to one point behind Leeds, which I remember thinking, like, if we could get through... I remember after that Leeds game, I'd looked at our remaining fixtures and gone... Our toughest remaining fixtures are the next three. It's Bristol at home, Preston away, Birmingham away. Because Birmingham, you know, is, is just a tough away game, as, as they showed when they, they played Leeds. And so to come through that only a point behind Leeds, all right, we had a point advantage before those three games. But to come through that only a point behind, I was kind of okay with that. And then we played Millwall at home, and I was not okay at all. This was, this was not a fun time. I did not enjoy the outcome of this game. Um... It was a one-all draw, of course. Uh, Medine gave us the lead in the 51st minute. I kind of stopped playing a little bit. Um, and Millwall like really came on strong as the, as the game you know, wound to a close. Egan punched one off the line for a red card, which Ben Marshall missed the penalty. So I'd, I, I remember saying to my brother when Egan went sent, got sent off, I was like, oh, that's it. That's, that is promotion gone because we're going to... This penalty is going in. We're probably going to lose this game. We will be without Egan. I didn't actually know off the top of my head how long he would be out for. So in my head, I was thinking he was out for three games, not the one. But I was like, that's it. We've, we've, chances have gone. It's gone up in smoke. And Leeds, I reckon Leeds had just taken the lead at home to Bolton, maybe it was at that point as well. So it was a huge swing. Then, of course, Marshall hits the bar with the penalty. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to get away with this. It's, it's actually going to happen. 95th minute, um, Jake Cooper equalises for Millwall. And Millwall fans go crazy. Uh, everyone pretty much just sits there completely stunned. In the in the history of Sheffield United blowing it, it felt like a an entry into that pantheon. I have not felt so low after a football match uh, since Steve Simonson stepped up to take his penalty. Um, yeah, it was it was absolutely gutting, and it's it's nice being able to say this now, knowing what happened next. But yeah, I think I think I don't know. I, I certainly can't have been alone in thinking like that's it. We have actually blown it now. What about you? Yep. Pretty much blown it. Emotional. <laughs> That's it. Yep. All over. Yeah. So we're three, uh, was, po- three was, points was... behind Leeds after that one. Yep. Yeah. I, and that was pretty much, yeah. That, I felt like, I, I think we said on the pod, uh, I think we can probably substantiate that even further by saying we. I backed it up at the time. I thought that was it. I, what? One, two, three, four. Four games <laughs> left. Four games left. Yeah, sorry, I was just counting. Four games left. Um, I didn't see Leeds losing or, or sorry, not winning two of those games. Yes, yeah, Which, you know, uh, Leeds were very good. And in actual fact, we talk about data on this pod all the time. Leeds' XG and whatnot in their final four games was excellent, even though they didn't win them all. So, in reality, it was a very slim chance we had of going up. And, yeah, it, it was over at that point, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, all the sort of... Um... The kind of advanced models that um, you know do their kind of like uh, what's the word? It's like uh, probability outcome for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, they had us at like about a twenty percent chance, so like a one in five at that point. But I think most of us would, you know, would stand by that three points behind Leeds with uh, four games to go. So yeah, as you say, you're relying on Leeds dropping points in in multiple games. It wasn't just one game; it was multiple games, and um, and obviously. I think we said, you know, we will probably now have to win our final four games and and hope, I guess. Hope we have a chance. Um and yeah, fortunately that was that was kind of how it proved. Excuse me, I got my facts slightly mixed up. So 
we drew with Mil- we drew with that game with Millwall. Leeds were actually playing none other than the Sheffield Wednesday later that evening, and I, I tuned out of that game altogether because I knew that they were not going to drop points to Wednesday, and that's how it proved. They beat Wednesday one 0 I'm just looking at their fixtures. That was actually the last game that they won um, all season, apart from the playoff uh, win at Derby County. So yeah, we yeah. Um, we then went into the Forest game. We had the advantage here of playing before Leeds in the next three games, which you know we kind of debated whether that was actually an advantage in terms of pressure. But as a fan, I was comfortable with it because I was like, let's just const- I don't want any distractions of what's happening at Leeds. I just want to focus on our business and I want to feel like everyone else in the stadium is focused on our business. I'm not saying the players are distracted or anything, but I want to feel like the crowd is focused on it. Um, and yeah, we were good against Forrest. It was, again, not not an incredible performance, I don't think. Um, we They were down to 10 men after McGoldrick had basically uh, diddled one of their defenders on the counter-attack. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name. Ben, ben Luan? Ben Elaine? Not sure. <laughs> anyway, he was sent off for a straight red. Duffy gave us the lead with a brilliant strike in the 51st minute. Yeah. Uh, and then we clinched it with uh, an Ender Stevens goal in the 85th. And yeah, it, I remember just feeling so good after this game. Not in terms of like, that's it, we're going to get automatically promoted. I, it just felt like, it felt like a purging of the Millwall game. I was like, well, at, at the very least, we've shown that, you know, we're not going to collapse. We'll go into the playoffs in a good bit of form. All these players that we thought are good are still good. Everything feels a lot rosier. And then, yeah, as I say, that was a three o'clock kickoff. And um, later that day, have I got my time right there? Uh, hmm, I feel like that time is no, that was, we were, So we were, we, were early, we were early on Forest, and later that day, Leeds played on the, uh, at the three o'clock. Yeah, I'm, I'm booing Wikipedia. I'm going to go and edit Wikipedia because I've got that wrong. But yes, you're, you are right. Leeds then played Wigan at home. Uh, Wigan went down to ten men, and uh, Leeds uh, had a had a penalty, um, which was very very dodgy. Leeds somehow ended up lo- losing this game, which I I couldn't believe at all. I was uh, trying yeah. not to follow it, and then suddenly my sort of mentions is lighting up on Twitter. I was like, "What's going on here?" And um, yeah, they they somehow managed to lose, and suddenly it was back in our hands again. I believe. Let me just double check that on the table. After forty-three yeah, games, yeah, we were yeah. we were ahead of them on goal difference, eighty-two points apiece, plus six yeah. goal difference. Wow! Suddenly, we were in a position of win every game and we're promoted because uh, Leeds are pretty unlikely to make up six goals, assuming we you know are improving our goal difference every game. So yeah, then we went to Hull City and uh, yeah, this was uh, I, I think the last. I felt this was the last stumbling block because I, I knew we'd beat Ipswich. I thought we'd beat Stoke, to be honest, if we actually needed to beat Stoke, and I'd probably stand by that. Um, and yeah, we went to Hull. We were 3-0 up at half-time. McGoldrick scored a, an absolute screamer to make it two. I just remember having my head in my hands in disbelief at what I was seeing. You know, years of being conditioned to watch United mess it up, and it was like, nah, we're not messing this up. But yeah, it just felt like we've, we've got this in the bag. And uh, yeah, it's, it was just... a. Uh, a great day out. I mean, one of my, I think that will live long in the memory. I think, I mean, I hope there's lots of other great memories still to come to kind of displace it. But yeah, I get a bit, I still get a bit misty eyed just thinking about that one. You know, the second half was just a complete party. Um, yeah, just a, a brilliant, a brilliant game. And I was, I was almost certain that we were going to get promoted after winning that was that one. And that was even before Leeds lost to Brentford that evening. How, how about you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to add anything on top of what you've said. Uh, it, it was, I mean, the whole that whole period of three, four weeks was an absolute emotional roller coaster. But mm. I think what what gets forgotten when we look back now is people talk about how Leeds blew it um, in terms of obviously they had the losses, they had the big moments against them, but they only lost it because we were an absolute steamroller. You know, we, we were a we, machine we, we in the a, second half of the season. Yeah, we were. We went and dominated Forest. I, even just in that little period, we went and dominated Forest. Easy win. We went and dominated Hull. Like I think we were saying, you know, we were trying to be clever and say Hull's form wasn't actually that great against top six sides at home. Mm. Um, but Hull had actually been on a good run, uh, especially at home. They were on a great run, and people were worried about this game. And I know we weren't on the pod. We were physically saying, "Not worried. We'll win. We'll be fine." But still, to go and do it as emph- emphatically as we did, it was just clinical. It was. Yeah, everything about it. It was the, the the lads seemed to be playing like it was August, not the end of the season. Mm. Um, it just yeah, 
I, I just that's that's my biggest takeaway really is the fact that everyone talks about Leeds blowing it. Well, you can't blow it unless someone else is steamrolling away. I, I'm putting the pressure on, and we did. So. Yeah, well, just to reiterate, we lost one of our last 17 league games. And uh, yeah, we exactly. had one, two, three, exactly. four, five, six. There's only six draws in there. One of them was the last game of the season, meaningless game. Um, so that set it up. We, uh, we've we got Ipswich Town at home. I mean, a game that should be a gimme. They were already relegated. They were bottom. They are absolutely atrocious. Uh, obviously, it wasn't going to mathematically clinch promotion. But uh, in, in all but name, let me just check the actual goal difference after that one. So, yeah, it was... We won I want to say, say 11, 11 uh, or, or, or... Oh, wow, it was even more. Yeah, it was 13 after that game. Oh, this is this yeah. after the full round of fixtures, so what would it have been? Okay. So go, before the game had been played, it would have been... 8 or 9? It would have been 11, I think, yeah. It would have been plus 35 plays plus 24, so yeah, you were right. But yeah, wait, I mean, from my point of view, I was like, we win this game, we're promoted. I'm not even entertaining the possibility that we blow it from here. It's It's, it's just not even... It's so unlikely, I'm not considering it. And yeah, it was a huge, I guess, cathartic release when Hogan scored and and, and even more so when O'Connell made it 2-0. And incredible. Actually, when we finish this podcast, I'm going to go and watch the video again on YouTube of um, all the the players celebrating afterwards and uh, the fans and stuff. Because yeah, it was a a very, just a really, really special time to be a United fan, I think. And you know, even though obviously it wasn't mathematically clinched, you know, forget the maths and all that, as the commentator said. I think, I think everybody knew and and celebrated it as such. And yeah, incredible, incredible day to be a United fan. That one, absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, it's weird because it was almost. It's uh, you look back and trying to do a review pod, and we're trying to wrap it up to finish it. It's almost anticlimactic because we just did the job, didn't we? But yeah, actually, on the so. day was. It was bloody emotional. It really was because you knew we'd done it. And although the players didn't go hell for level like they did once the Leeds result for Brentford came in, the relief on Jack O'Connell's goal, and I don't mean relief in the sense of, oh, yeah, finally, just the what that meant, what it, that it goal meant. It was like meant, exhale, wasn't it? Goal. Yeah, like a, yeah. all the tension of the previous six, seven weeks, the, the you know, back to and fro, and as you'd said, it was just like, oh, that's it. it we've done it. There's There's nothing else to worry about we've achieved what very few of us thought was possible. Yeah, it was just, a brilliant moment. I just think it was, you know, it was, it, it's, that moment was a culmination of everything that had gone on um, in the past three, three years. Not in mm. terms of, obviously, the style of the goal, but just, yeah, the, everything. Everything that had happened before the last three years, all the negatives, everything, all the positives of the last three years, it had all rolled into that one moment of just sheer... Only football can do it, I think, which is just that sheer jubilation of, oh my God, this is actually happening. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I refuse to believe it up to that point. Even though it was Ipswich at home, I'd still refuse to believe it was happening because there'd been so many twists and turns as well. I'd, you know, I, I was looking at Stoke away still thinking, well, Leeds might go to Brentford and win and then it's Stoke hmm. away. That's a difficult game. Stoke have got some superstars on the books. This is going to be a toughie and it's... Obviously, we did our job, so the relief was there on that one. As you said, the goal difference was was big. Um, and then we all know what happens. Leeds away, Brentford, uh, Brentford and then the, the celebration sky, watching uh, the boys watch the game at Bramall Lane. And the yeah, yeah Leeds, uh, Leeds drew with Villa, didn't they? The, uh, the, we've scored a goal that shouldn't have counted, so you go and have a goal game. And yeah, that, that clinched uh, yes, it. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Literally, that was yeah, that was the case, and that clinched it. And then it was just yeah. Well, I mean, we've yeah. already covered party time, so we won't go through party. But yeah, no, just we party won't. Time. Yeah, we'll just uh, we'll just round off just with the just the facts of the last game, I guess. So we went to Stoke, drew two all. There was definitely a sense the players were, I would say, still inebriated, but you know, possibly possibly not at full power in this game. Um, yeah, that's fair. And yeah. A two-all draw with a, a late equaliser from Stevens. There was, there was still an outside chance of us winning the league in this one, but uh, it relied on Norwich losing to um, Aston Villa, and I think they actually they won in the end. So by about 70 minutes, it was apparent there was nothing to play for. But yeah, there it is, mate. The full season, the full shebang. Um, United promoted. I'm just going to check the final table now. So I want all the facts. Um, we play 46, 126, 11 draws, 9 defeats, uh, plus 37 goal difference. Finished 6 points ahead of Leeds with 89 points in the end. And yeah, uh, glorious. I think, uh, you know, 
not something I'm I'm going to forget in a hurry. I mean, the purpose of doing this was to kind of have a, a little bit of a memento, I think, to, to look back on uh, over time, if that's not too narcissistic to say so. Um, and yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's all we have to say about about last season. Maybe we'll come back with a few other things to touch back on, but we we should start looking uh, looking forward to 2019-20 now. Um, I know you have to shoot off. Do you want to quickly look at who United are playing first next season? Because I have not seen it yet. I would honestly, I would, I have seen it. I would honestly love to, but I literally don't have time, mate. I've got to shoot. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm not going to give my reaction to it yet because I've not seen it. So yeah, we can we can talk about it afterwards. But yeah, all it, right, buddy. It, uh, apologies for taking up too much of your time there, but I really appreciate it. No, 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 it's absolutely fine, mate. Absolutely fine. I wish we could cover more, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, work calls. Yes, indeed. Well, good effort, mate. We got through all 46 games in a, a two-hour two-parter. So uh, yeah, you definitely you you definitely go. deserve a rest rather than a day's work now. But that's the way the cookie crumbles, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Have a good day. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Yeah, absolutely. I'll speak to you later. Cheers, mate. Bye now. Cheers. Bye-bye.